Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. And I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Thank God for the ministry and song and music this morning. So fitting for the word today. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. But seek And when I read this, I'm immediately speaking out of my memory from the King James, what the NIV says. <laughs> But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I want to talk about restructuring life, casting off the heavy loads. Casting off the heavy loads. Restructuring life. Tell your neighbor, life needs to be restructured sometimes. The loads you're carrying, you need to cast them off. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. I pray, God, that you, as you send your word this morning, and you said that when it goes forth, it would not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. You said that you will prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you, Lord. That you prosper your word in the things that you sent it to. You know what we need. Thank you, God, for speaking to our needs this morning. We pray for open hearts and minds. That we'll be receptive to what you have to say. It's in Jesus' name. I also pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit. Father, I humbly submit to you so that I will flow with you with what you want to say and what you want to do. Be glorified. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Restructuring life. Restructuring life. A lot of times we think that there are things, and we know that there are things that God needs to do in our lives, but he's given us responsibility. He's given us responsibility, and it's important for us to take that responsibility. As we hear his word and embrace his word to begin to do the things in our lives that, need to, that we need to do so that we can be better off for it. Amen? And part of that comes with, as we grow in the Lord, restructuring things in our lives. All right? Restructuring some things. Putting some things in the right order right? Casting off some things that need to be cast off and embracing things that need to be embraced, all right? Amen? Yeah. A, a lot of people in life, and it may not be anybody in here, all right, but just hear the word of the Lord this morning. A lot of people are carrying loads that they are not designed to carry. Amen. Wherever those loads have come from, wherever those burdens, wherever those things that have come from, when we hear loads, I want us to hear struggles of life, issues of life, 
things that have happened in life that we tend to carry along with us as we go along the way. We talked last week about inadequacies and, you know, that feeling of not being good enough and not being enough and, 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 and all of that stuff that, 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 that has been cast on us so that we, or that we have picked up as we've gone through life. Those are the loads that we need to learn to cast off. You know, those and other things and a lot of things, you know, things happen in childhood and, and, you know, I wish there were more younger parents who, who are here and who were here and would hear some of the things that the Lord has to say to us today concerning even being a parent. And there are a lot of people who become parents and they're not ready to be parents. You know, they're not able, they're not equipped to, to give their children the moral, the moral compass, uh, uh, and, and the wisdom that, that they need to prepare themselves for life because they're not prepared for life, you know, and, and because they're not prepared for life, they can't, that's not, there's only so much that they can give to their children. And, and many times they cast things on their children that their children have to live with all of their lives. Now, now, now all of us are works in progress. Amen. Uh, those of us who may have come from some of the best families in the world, we still have things that we have to learn when it comes to parenthood. You know, but one of the things that we have to be honest about is that if we, if, if our parents, let me just be, um, as candid as I can be, if our parents were jacked up, then, then, then we were probably jacked up too. You know, and unless we, unless we unjacked some stuff, <laughs> you know, unless we jack that car down and, 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 and got it running right, you know, then we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna transfer some of those things into our children. You know, because we're carrying things in our lives. And, 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 and you know, when we hear, when we hear loads, you know, a lot of times we think in terms of sin, but there are so many other things that we learn to carry. You know, we want to be good enough. All right. So then what we do is we get ourselves in debt trying to be like other people. You know, that, 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 that's a load, you know. So, you know, you want to go out to eat with everybody at lunch time, but your, your pocketbook and your bank account, amen, can't afford to go eat every day. So, so we got to be satisfied with, with taking a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to work. You know, we got to be satisfied with that and feel good about it because we, we, we're not trying to measure up to someone else. You know, those, those things are loads that people carry. Being good enough, being accepted, you know, wanting to live in a nice, in a nice neighborhood, a nice home, and, but we can't afford it, but we try to stretch ourselves. You know, during this whole time, you know, back in the, um, uh, uh, early 2000s, when people were just buying these big homes, you know, and then come, come to find out that, um, bank accounts and I mean banks and mortgage companies were helping people get into homes that they really couldn't afford, you know. And 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 so you 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 move into this big house, but you can't afford it. You stretch yourself. You say, well, you know, if I cut back here and if I cut back there and I cut back there, I can afford to make the mortgage payment. But you didn't think about taxes. You think about property taxes. You didn't think about upkeep, you know. You didn't think about the possibility of maybe you lost, you might lose your job and you can't afford 
you can't afford to uh, to keep the mortgage payments up if you lose your job. You know, most of us don't have and can't afford to have, um, uh, 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 you know, that, that nest egg where if we lose our jobs, we've got three months of salary, we've got three months of savings to make sure that we can pay the bills until, until you know, we get another job. And so we get ourselves in situations that tend to, um, they're, they're lows that we're carrying, and we, and, and we can't deal with these things. You know, we're carrying these loads. We're carrying, many people in life are carrying these loads. And don't mention, don't mention the, the load of, of, of abuse that may have taken place in your life. The, the load of, 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 of uh, discrimination that you may experience in life, the load of prejudice that you make. All of these things are loads that people carry in life. But the Lord doesn't want you carrying these loads. Am I talking to anybody? Is anybody in here? Y'all listening? Is this making any sense to anyone? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and as, as I said, some of these loads, we didn't just pick up. They were cast on us. Now, now some of these loads we pick up, you know, as you grow in life. And if you already have a feeling of, of being, if you already have a feeling of low self-esteem, then you will do things to try to raise your self-esteem. So you want to be, you want to be a part of the group. You want to be a part of the crowd. So you, you try to fit in with the group when that's not where you should be. And you see today with so many teenagers committing suicide, you know, with, because they're, somebody is laughing at them or somebody is picking at them. Somebody is doing this. It's a load that they're carrying. It's a load that they're carrying. And, and today because, because, you know, and I said this the other day to someone, television has always influenced. Hollywood has always influenced us, but we didn't have access like young people have access today. You know, we had, when I was growing up, the only thing we had was television and radio, and that was limited. Now our children have access 24-7. Most of our children have cell phones. Most of our children have access to the internet. Most of our children are watching things, you know, and, and having friends uh, on Facebook and all of the other uh, social media platforms is important to a lot of people. And it becomes a burden when, 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 when you find out that somebody doesn't like you. It's a burden. It's a load that you carry. And some people can't deal with that. And it, it puts us in a place that we don't experience the life that Christ came for us to experience. All right. Jesus said in John chapter 10, the thief comes to still kill and destroy. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly or that you may have it to the full. So he doesn't want us to be going through life burdened down with all of these things that keep us from experiencing the fullness of life. All right? All right? Um, now, the life that Christ gives us is not problem-free. He didn't come to give us a problem-free life. As a matter of fact, he even said, in the world you'll have tribulation. So in this life, you're going to have problems. But he says, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So in me, in me, uh, you learn 
how to deal with the problems of this life. Okay? So you, you don't have to, you don't have to share, you don't have to carry these loads alone. I've come that you might have life to the full. So fullness of life doesn't mean that I'm worried about what people think about me. Fullness of life doesn't mean that, 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 that I'm so overwhelmed because I've made bad decisions in life that I don't know how to function. Fullness of life means, yes, I may have made bad decisions, but now I'm making better decisions, and the Lord has given me a direction out of this thing. Fullness of life doesn't mean that, that I get a bad diagnosis from the doctor and then my world falls apart and I don't know what to do. Fullness of life means that I might get a bad diagnosis from the doctor, but because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the wisdom that he gives me in his word, now I have direction as to how to face my future. If so fullness of life that Jesus comes to give us does not mean that life is problem free, but it does mean that I have a way to handle the problems in life. Yeah. Yeah. So as I was meditating on this and just thinking a whole lot about, you know, the things that the messages that the Lord has sent to us over these past few weeks and thinking about, you know, our theme for this year is maintaining spiritual intensity for God's movement. And, 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 and the last week and this week, the Lord has been just dealing with me about how people, how are people going to maintain spiritual intensity when their fires have already gone out? Some people's fires have gone out. Some people are not intense about God. Some people are not on fire about God and God's movement. Some people are just coming to church. Come to worship. They participate in worship, you know, and they go home. And, 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 and so they're not really on fire. I mean, about God, you know, they don't, some people don't have a prayer life. Some people are not engaging in devotionals on a regular basis. Some people are not looking for opportunities to share their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people are barely surviving. So the Lord says that in order for us to get to the point that we're on fire for him, there are some things that we have to deal with in life. You got to deal with these things that are zapping your strength. You got to deal with these things that are pouring water on your fire. Every time you come to the sanctuary, amen, and then there is a stirring in your spirit, something happens, amen, to put that fire out. You got to deal with that. Got a lot to deal with it because those things happen to all of us. They happen to all of us, amen? Every time the devil throws, try to throw water on my fire, I just turn the heat up a little bit more and start boiling the water. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Yeah, you know, it's like that sermon I preached a long time ago about how to make lemonade out of lemons. Life throws you lemons and instead of you worrying about the bitterness of the lemons, you squeeze that juice and add some sugar and water to it and make some lemonade and enjoy the lemonade of life. So yes, amen, these things are going to happen. They're going to happen in life. It's how we deal with them, how we deal with them. Now, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 25, talks about worry. And, and the Lord throws, gives us a, gives us a, 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 how did I say it? Gives us, a, excuse me, a tall, a tall order to fill. The Lord says, do not worry. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, 
do not worry. Now, I tell you what, some of y'all are already laughing about that because you came worried this morning. You got up, something hit you, something, something is bothering you. You're carrying something that you've been trying to figure out and you can't figure it out. You're trying to handle something and you've been trying to handle this for a long time and it's still not handled. And then the Lord says, do not worry. Lord, what in the world are you talking about? I mean, worry is a part of life. Grandmama worried. Mama worried. So what am I supposed to do? I grew up in a worrying household. So I'm going to worry. That's the MO of our family. Now that should speak to somebody right there. Talk about generational curses. You know, we think of generational curses as alcoholism and things like that, but worry can be a generational curse. It can be a generational curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we look at this text, there are some things that is clear from this text that there are things that we need in life, all right? Uh, there are things that will concern us in life. There are things that will happen to us in life. In this teaching, Jesus makes these things simple. He talks about food, drink, and, and clothes, all right? He says, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than, than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, which is what we do. We're storing up. You got a savings account. You know, I saw yesterday on the news these people, and they, they, they've been doing this all along. They think that the world is going to come to the end. That's going to be a great disaster in the United States of America. So they're storing up stuff. You know, and I look at this, you know, you look at all this food that's canned. All this stuff has expiration dates on it. Now, let me tell you something. If you've never eaten anything that's been in your freezer too long, eat it and see what it does to your stomach. So you can store up, all right? But your, 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 your focus is in the wrong place. All right? Your focus. Jesus says, and, and he's not speaking about not planning. It's good to have a bank account. It's good to have savings or what have you. But your trust cannot be in those things. God is what? Trust. I'm going to trust him. All right? He says, uh, and, and I'm not going to read all of this, but, but you got it. So he says, there are basic things that, con that, we, that concern us in life. But the Lord wants us to make application of his teaching, not just to food, drink, and clothes. He wants us to make application of his teaching to every area of life that concern us. All right? Every area. Whatever concerns us concerns the Lord. I want you to get that. I think I shared this Wednesday night. I was talking with, with Pastor Adams the other day, and, and he said he asked his congregation the question, what are you going to do when money doesn't work anymore? Now, for us in the United States, that's our means of, of exchange all over the world, really, currency. And we're not thinking in terms of if it doesn't work anymore. You know, and we've heard a lot about cryptocurrency and, and stuff like that. And if you're like me, you don't know what that stuff is. You don't really trust that stuff because that's not what you know. And I'm wondering, how, how is cryptocurrency going to work? 
All right. What are you going to do when money doesn't work anymore? And he, he talked about the parable. Uh, Jesus asked Peter about paying taxes and if, you know, and basically saying that him being who he was, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't supposed to pay taxes or didn't need to pay taxes, but he said, so that we don't offend them, go down to the river or to the lake and the first fish that you catch, open his mouth and there'll be a, there'll be a coin in his mouth. Take that and go and pay the taxes. Now, what in the world? How do you apply that? How do you make application of that? So when things happen in life or don't happen in life the way that you think they should or when money doesn't work anymore, then what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to look to the one who created the world, who knows how to supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So if money doesn't work, God has a way. You got to make application. You don't just read it literally and say, okay, I'm going to go fishing next week and I'm going to find some money in the fish's mouth. No, you won't find any money in the fish's mouth. But you got to make application to trust God because God will supply your need. Do you believe that? That is the issue. Do you believe that God will supply your need? But you got you to know it first. And you got to make you got to believe it and make application. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the things that concern us, God is concerned about because he loves us. Psalm 103 verses 13 and 14 says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, now much of what we preach about, we're preaching to the body of Christ, okay? So we're preaching to those of us who who believe God, who trust God, and we want other people to come and know him and trust him. There are some things that the Lord has said to us that apply to us, that apply to his children. They don't apply to everybody. Okay. If they apply to everybody, then there will be no need for salvation. Amen. They're applying to those who are in the faith and of the faith. This says to those who fear him, everybody doesn't fear God. Everybody doesn't respect God. All right. So this doesn't apply to them, but it applies to those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So God looks at us and God has compassion on us because he knows our frailties. He does. He knows our frailties. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust, and he knows that we need, our, we need his help. Hallelujah. And he has wisdom. Can someone say wisdom? He has wisdom for us to help us take these undue loads that are on our shoulders off of us. He's got the wisdom. You don't have the wisdom. He's got the wisdom. He's got the wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Some of us are doing way too much. Some of us are carrying way too much. Just living, we're under pressure. Family situations and circumstances, we're under pressure. As I mentioned, ill-equipped parents who don't know how to prepare their children for life, Puts pressure on the children. Oh, you see, 
You know, saints, don't get offended. Don't get angry. Yes, people, young people have babies out of wedlock. Teenagers have babies out of wedlock. Don't get offended. You know, the baby is not the sin. The problem is God has an order first. And, 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 and children should come within the order of marriage. But, but the other side of it is many people just are not equipped. They're not equipped. They're not ready to have children. And listen, grandparents, thank God for grandparents. If it weren't for grandparents, some children would just be, they'd be lost. But you've already raised your children. There comes a time you get tired of raising children. Y'all might as well tell the truth. But thank God for grandparents because if it were not for some grandparents, children would be lost. But the issue is that we keep on doing, we keep the cycle going, and we don't see anything wrong with it. We're already in poverty. We're already struggling. Amen. And now we're adding another burden to this, this issue, and we're raising our children, and then we're mad at the church or the pastor anyway because there's something said about it when we ought to be saying it in our houses. It ought to be said at home. You should be a standard at home. You should not be ready to raise every child your unwed son or daughter brings into your house. You got to say something. You got to say this is out of order. You're digging a hole that's deeper than the one you're already in. This, this whole stuff of, well, I made it and I'm doing well. You sure are doing, thank God you're doing better. But just think. If it was two of you all, two are better than one. The Bible even says that. Thank God if you're, if that two that's working together. Thank God that, that, you know, just think about it. That when that baby wakes up crying over in the night, then you're not the one, the only one in the house that's got to get up and go check, check it out. Thank God that that man that got you, you ought to think about, not thank God because he ain't there. You ought to think about that man that got you pregnant should be in that house with you, getting up in the night, amen, changing that baby's diaper, taking care of that baby when that baby is crying, amen. That man that got you pregnant, or if that woman ran after the man and got pregnant, the two of you ought to be together, and then you ought to have something to pour into the child. That's the other thing. You got to have some wisdom to put in that child. You can't continue to run out and party and drink and do drugs, amen, and, and have people in your house over your children, amen, and expect them to come out right. They're not going to come out right. And you can fuss and holler about what the system is doing and what the society is doing to your child. What are you doing to your child? It's time for us to take authority in our home. There's no sense in the schools talking about and the government talking about, make sure your child is at home at 6 o'clock at night. If mom and daddy ain't at home at 6 o'clock at night, how's your child going to be home? We want to blame everybody else and we don't want to take responsibility ourselves. And we got to go back in our community, in our homes, and take responsibility. And if that didn't come out the way you want to hear it, then take the principle and apply it. Take the principle and apply it. Don't get mad at the messenger. Just take the principle and apply it and let's start talking. Let's turn some things around. Let's prepare our children to compete in society. 
Let's prepare them. I was listening to Trevor sitting in a video about these people going back to Africa. And a whole lot of folk went to Ghana, and most of them that went came back because they weren't ready. You're going to go to Africa. What you going to do in Africa? You don't know the culture. You don't know the customs. You don't know the economy. You don't go to Africa. You don't know Africa. You didn't grow up there. You grew up in the United States. Things operate totally different anywhere in Africa than they do in the United States. You go into a restaurant. Let's take that. How many of you all have ever ordered something in a restaurant here in the United States and didn't like it and you sent it back? How many of us did that? I have. You go into some of those restaurants and you say, I don't like this. And you want to send it back? They look at you. You're going to pay for that food. If you don't pay for it, you, you know, it's, it's on you. We're taking it back. They look at us like we're, you know, because we're already acting like we're privileged. We came from the United States. We complain about any, and let me go on because that's the more I got to preach about. <sighs> yeah. So we're not ready. We got to, we got to, we got to give our children a running, a, a, a running head start. We got, we got to give them strategies to make it in life. And a lot of, a lot of us are not doing that. Because we are not capable. We are still blaming the man. We're still blaming the man. Stop blaming the man. Look at yourself. Look at what you're doing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's, not, it's not the school system's responsibility to raise your children. It's not the government's responsibility to raise your children. It's not even the church's responsibility to raise your children. Amen. We, we, feed, we give our children a diet of video games, a diet of, of, of internet um, videos, we give, because we are too busy. And a lot of times we're by ourselves and we're trying to make it. So we don't have time to sit down and read a book to our children. Sometimes we don't have time to help them with their homework. Sometimes we don't even know how to do the stuff. You look at that math, and that math looks like Chinese to you. And you know you don't read Chinese. But we want, we want our children to do well. Let me tell you something. Doing well is more than wearing Air Jordans. Doing well is more than going to school with a hairdo. Doing well is much more than wearing your clothes and looking good. Amen? It is much more than that. Amen? You got to have a mind. You have to be able to function in society. You live in the United States of America, so you may as well learn how to function in the United States of America. You need to learn how to get a job. You need to learn how to interview. You need to be prepared first. Know how to interview. Know how to get a job. Know how to go to work on time. Know how to learn how to do your work and do it proficiently. Amen. So that you can get a paycheck at the end of the week until the Lord gives you the wisdom or the skill, amen, to start your own business. And a whole lot of people are not starting their own businesses because you don't have the mindset to start your own business. And that's not negative. That's just the truth. It's just the truth. Anyway, Lord, so we got a lot of pressure on us. We got a lot of pressure on us. Amen. And that in itself might be a pressure because you might feel like, well, Bishop talking about me, talking about I ain't. Listen, you ought to know me by now. Amen. I'm going to preach what the Lord lays in my heart to preach. When I leave this pulpit, I'm done with it. I ain't mad with nobody. 
the Lord didn't call me to be mad at you and how you live. That's on you. If you want to go to work, I was, I, I was helping this young man one time, and every week he'd get his paycheck, and he would go to the, that was, when, that was when they had the slot machines, and he would go and gamble away all of his check. I looked at him one day. I said, man, why are you doing this? I said, you work hard, and he worked for a trust company, a uh, company that builds trusses for houses. And this is back in the, in the, in the uh, early 80s. So he worked hard. He might be listening to me this morning because he follows us sometimes, but that's okay. Y'all don't know who he is. And all he can do is say, yep, yep, that's what Bishop told me. I said, man, you work hard all week long. So why are you taking your money and giving it to somebody who's already rich? He said, then he would call me Rip. Oh, Rip, why you make it sound like that? I said, because it's the truth. But let me tell you something for real now. I didn't lose any sleep because he was gambling away his money. I wasn't angry with him because he was gambling away his money. Amen. I don't have time for that. I got to deal with my own stuff. So when I preach a message, I'm not mad with anybody but the devil. Amen. If it sounds like I'm mad, I'm not mad with you. I'm just passionate about what I'm talking about. Oof. Lord, help us. Help us. So we got all this pressure on us, and then here comes Bishop talking about, we need, talking about, we need you to maintain uh, 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 spiritual intensity for God's movement. I got all this stuff I'm dealing with. I don't have time for anything else. You want me to come to Bible study? I ain't got time. I got all this stuff on me. But the Lord is saying, until we restructure our lives, these things will continue to zap our strength. They will continue to continue to zap our energy. They will continue to drain us spiritually of the things that 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 we really need to thrive in life. And you ought to want to thrive in life. Do you want to thrive? So I want to thrive. I want to thrive. I want to thrive. Okay. So, so I meditated on this. The Lord is saying that it's time for us to restructure our lives. We've allowed the wrong things to set structure and set pace for our lives. It's time for us to step back and look at what the Lord says so that we can get things back on track. Because if we fail to get things back on track, not only will the work of God continue to suffer because we're not in the place doing what we ought to be doing, but we'll continue to suffer in our lives and our children will continue to suffer. Our community will continue to suffer. You know, I, I would, I, it, it would be wonderful if we were at the point in America where we saw us as a corporate America rather than black and white, especially. Because other ethnicities come to the United States and many of them thrive. Many of them thrive. It's something about the African-American community for some of us. Not all of us now. Let me tell you something. Not Some of us are doing well, but there's a large segment of us that are not. So how do we thrive? We've been looking, people have been looking for ways, you know, 
But they're looking, I believe, in the wrong place. That's where these black religious identity cult groups come into play. They're trying to find, show people a way out, but they're building on the wrong premise. They're building on the wrong premise. Now, if you haven't read that section in the book Urban Apologetics on pop culture, go and read it. You know, I saw something, Minister Smalls, and I didn't say anything. Uh, I saw when you showed the image of, I think it was Beyonce, uh, Wednesday night. And, you know, I'm a man, okay, and I'm almost 70 years old. So automatically, for, for women, if I say the wrong thing, you're mad at me. You're prejudiced against me. So I saw something. I didn't say it. I want to say it. But I've seen it even in the congregation. And unless, unless a woman, an older woman, listen, Titus said the older women should be teaching the younger women how to stay at home, how to take care of their families and their husbands, and basically how to serve God. So there's a place that the older women need to be speaking to today, in the, in, in the, especially in the African-American community. Because our younger women are off the chain. Our young girls are off the chain. And it's getting worse. Not, not everybody's off the chain, but there are a whole lot of them. They're off the chain. Submitting to a man, being a wife, taking care of a family, learning how to handle situations without getting, but going ballistic. Knowing how to be modest. See, that word we've thrown out. We've thrown out of our vocabulary. And when are the older women in the faith going to start teaching young women how to be modest? Everything that looks good to your husband in your bedroom doesn't need to look good to me because I got a wife. So you don't need to be showing all of your body. You don't need the picture of all of your body unveiled on the internet. We don't know, we're in this time of we're not ashamed of our bodies. You don't need to be ashamed of your body, but there's something that's called modesty. There's something for your husband to see. Well, I ain't got no husband. Well, look at yourself in the mirror till you get one. But it's sometimes it's not the older ladies, it's not the older ladies who, who are unmarried that are doing this. A lot of times it's some of the younger women that have no modesty. And you know, there's a thing that's called shame. Because somebody say shame. People don't have shame anymore. They're not ashamed of what they do and what they say. There were things I was ashamed of my parents to find out. I didn't want them to know that I did it. No, they, people not shame because mama doing it with them. Daddy doing it with them. So there's no shame. And so you come to the church and you want the church to lower God's standard to accept you and your unshamefulness. Oh, there are churches that will do it now. 
There are churches that will do it because they want the numbers. They don't want to offend you. They got to keep the money coming in. So they don't care what you do. They don't care how you look. They don't care what you bring in the sanctuary. Ooh. Ooh. So, listen. Let me, let me move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the Lord wants us to restructure. There's some restructuring that has to be done. I'm not trying to put people in bondage. Jesus didn't come to put us in bondage. He came to make us free. What we don't realize is that sin puts us in bondage. If you live long enough, you will look back and regret some of the foolishness that you did. If you live long enough, just keep on living. No, anyway, so let, let me see here. So that in this text, as we look at this text, uh, we can glean from it some things that will help us with restructuring our lives. Yeah. Then he says, do not worry. Do not worry. Well, what is it saying? It's actually saying get perspective. Get perspective and focus. What you're doing, Jesus is saying here, you're focusing on the wrong things. You're focusing on how you're going to prepare for yourself in life. Your focus needs to be on seeking God's kingdom first and its righteousness. So God's kingdom has a standard. Can you say that? Say God's kingdom has a standard. So my focus has to be, I'm I'm a citizen now. I've been born again. So I'm not just a citizen of the United States of America. I am a citizen of God's kingdom. God's kingdom has a standard, a standard of right, a standard of righteousness. So my focus has to be on seeking God's kingdom and his, and then, and his righteousness. And then he adds a benefit. He says, and all these things will be added. The things that concern your life, the things that are important, the things that you need in life, you know, they're going to be added to you. But you got to learn to seek God's kingdom first and its righteousness. Yeah. yeah. Where has your focus been? Jesus is really saying God will take care of you. He will see it that you have the, that you have, he will see to it that you have the things that you need in life. But you must seek him his kingdom first, and its righteousness. There's another thing Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 following. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened. Now, we just finished talking about the things that we're worried about. We're burdened by these things. We're burdened by a whole lot of things. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are who are weary and a burden, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So the thing we need to do is come to Jesus. Now, Jesus is not saying when you come to me, you won't have responsibility. You're going to have responsibility because my kingdom has a standard. And you must meet my standard if you're going to get these things added to you. 
If you're going to be blessed in life, you got to come up to my center. So seek my kingdom and its righteousness. So, so, so he said, what you need to do, come to Jesus, learn about him, learn his way, because his ways are different from the ways of the world, from the ways of maybe the way you were raised. That's why you can't continue. If your parents didn't know the Lord and were not following the Lord wholeheartedly, then you got to examine the way you were raised. If mama did it that way, mama could have been wrong. Come on, change, the Lord said. If daddy did it that way, daddy could have been wrong. Change. If you're going to come to me and you're going to seek my, you're going to be a part of me and receive my blessings, you got to seek my kingdom and his righteousness. Why? Why him? He's Lord. He's creator. He knows how things should function in life. He knows how you should function. He is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God and the power of God. If he said, and he says, if you need wisdom, ask me. I give liberally to everyone who asks. I don't fuss at you for asking. Have you ever asked a question and got fussed at? Now, most of the time, children get fussed at when they ask certain questions. But sometimes, adults get fussed at too. It's not a good feeling to get fussed at just because you asked a question. Jesus said, if you need wisdom, ask me. I give to everybody. I give it liberally. And I'm not going to fuss. I'm not going to say, oh, you ought to know that. No, you don't know it. That's why you asked the question. And I'm going to give you wisdom. Then he says, take my yoke. What yoke? Yoke of submission. Yoke of obedience. Yoke of studying. Yoke of learning of me. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. As I said, the yoke of sin is heavy. The world, self, and Satan keeps throwing that yoke on you. And it's weighing you down. It's burdensome. It, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it keeps weighing you down. It keeps holding you back. It keeps stopping you because it's a heavy burden. The yoke of being like everybody else. The yoke of being liked by people. The yoke of trying to be like the next man. The yoke of trying to have when you don't have. The yoke of trying to, trying to feel like you're good enough. Amen. The yoke of Jesus is an easy yoke. He said, come, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. That's what we got to do. There's a standard that we've got to learn. Now, we're throwing God away. We're throwing church away. All right? We're throwing away, some of us, the body of believers. Where are you going to learn about Jesus? Where are you going to learn about his way? So, take my yoke upon. Now, when you start taking the yoke upon the Lord and learning of him, you begin the process of restructuring your life. Yeah, you begin, and that's what happens. You learn, you embrace, you put it into practice. Yeah. It's a process. It's a challenging process. It is a battle sometimes. Because you've been shaped a certain way. You've grown up all of your life in a community, in a family, in a world, and you've been shaped a certain way. To restructure that is a battle. Some of us in the Lord are still battling things. 
We're still battling things from our past, from the way out way we think, the way we see things. But we want to follow the Lord. We want to learn of the Lord. So we engage in the battle. So to complete the process, you got to do what Proverbs 3 and 5 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not, listen now, do not lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So if I'm going to complete this process, I've got to trust the Lord with all of my being. I can't depend on my own understanding. I've been shaped by the world. I've been shaped by my family. I've been shaped by my community. I've been shaped by my culture. And if I've grown up and I've gone to college, college is a melting pot of a whole lot of people from a whole lot of places, amen, that teach a whole lot of different things. And I want to fit in, so I start eating a little bit of this and eating a little bit of that and trying a little bit of this. And then this thing starts sounding good to me. And for those of us who are African-Americans, we got this whole thing about Africa. And the picture of Africa is a utopia. And we, we are black kings and queens, which is a lie from the pit of hell because everybody was not a king. Everybody was not a queen. There are poor people in Africa. There are suffer people, suffering people on the continent of Africa. There's classism on the continent of Africa. Let's tell the truth. I don't know a black woman sitting in this congregation today who's going to agree to her husband having five wives. If you hear, wave your hand. <laughs> that doesn't happen in every culture now. I'm not, I'm not making Africa monolith. It doesn't happen. But it happens. So some of the things that they're saying, and it sounds good. So you're a queen. Now, now we say trust in the Lord. Now, now this is somewhere in the message. I don't know where it is. I'm going to put it right here. Judeo-Christianity. We believe in one God. Amen who revealed himself to us in Christ Jesus, one God, chose Abraham and said, from your seed, I will bless all the nations of the earth. One God. Now you go to, you get involved in some of these bricks, some of these religious identity cults, and then you start hearing about your African. Let me tell you something. Do you remember the scripture where, about Lazarus and Davies? Lazarus died and went to Abraham's bosom. Davies died, went to hell. He was on fire. He was burning. And he said, let Lazarus go and, and dip his finger in some water and bring it and put it on my scorching tongue. And the Lord said, there's a great gulf fix. You can't cross over. Can somebody say you can't cross over? I don't care how much you love your grandmama. 
when grandmama dies, she ain't coming back here. What are you talking about, Bishop? So you get involved in these African identity cults, and one of the things they start telling you is that in Africa, uh, traditionally, we worship our ancestors, and we have to engage our ancestors. Go ahead and engage your ancestors. Does the devil, Satan, will fool you. Satan will disguise himself and come back and speak to you and make you think it's your ancestors. We do not believe in ancestral worship. We do not subscribe to ancestral worship. Now remember, Christianity did not come, did not go from Jerusalem to Europe. Christianity went to Africa. So there is African Christianity that is biblical Christianity. Before these religious identity cult groups started going back and bringing lies here and telling people lies and painting Africa as a utopia for black people. We believe in one God. We are to worship the Lord. We are to trust God. Now, there's a whole lot to that that I can't talk about this morning because I really need to finish this message. I'm going to finish this message right here. Amen. Amen. But, but in this, in this, in this, in this battle of trusting God, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, we're not to lean to our own understanding. Our understanding is warped. Amen. The warp, the, the, the understanding of people who will teach you things that they cannot substantiate in Scripture is warped. And they sound authoritative and they sound truthful. And then you start embracing this. Now you got another load on your shoulder. Do not be wise in your own. Verse 7, you know, he goes on to say some things here that are very, very, very important to us. Because listen, God knows you're not going to automatically trust in him. You got to grow in this process. You know, you don't see him. You don't, you don't know him like that. But he wants you to start this process of trusting him. And the only way you're going to benefit from this is to start it. You got to start it little by little. There's a scripture in Psalm, Psalm 34. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So the very first word there is taste. I thought about that. If you bring me something that I've never eaten before, I'm going to taste it first. Before I get, I learned a good lesson. I was in Kenya, sitting at the pastor's table. And they had this big bowl of something that looked like noodles. And I, I put me a great big spoonful on my plate. And I bit into it. Oh. I'm sitting at the table. I couldn't spit it out. So I just nicely said, tell me what this is. But wait until I finish eating And so when I finished eating, they said, this is goat stomach. Well, really the goat intestines. I grew up in Blair, South Carolina. I do not eat chitlins. So I am not going to Africa eating goat gut. But I learned the taste. I learned the taste. Listen, the Lord wants you to try him. Listen now, I know we, 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 we hear this and, and now we're, we're, we're at this, this point of teaching doctrine and want people, you gotta, you gotta taste him in faith, you know, he wants you to, but listen, if you've never trusted the Lord, the Lord wants you to, he says, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. Try me. See, because God, God knows that once you start, once you start trying him, he's going to prove himself. You're going to find out that he's good and you're not going to want to go back. Once you start, once you really start this, you, you, you're going to find it is good. And, 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 and as I was reading this, you know, uh, you know, God is willing for him to, to try him, willing for us to try him. He's just that kind of God. He doesn't force himself on you. He knows that once you taste him, once you try him, you will discover for yourself. And that's the key. You got to discover for yourself that Jehovah Rapha, you got to discover for yourself that Elohim, that Yahweh, he is good. God, God has a name. In Christianity, we just generally say God. We're not talking about Oshan. We're not talking about Isis. We're not talking about, oh, uh, some of these other Yoruba gods and all these 400 gods that these people serve in, in, in the Yoruba tribe and, 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 and these gods in, in other parts of the world. And we're not talking about Buddha and, and having you having 15 Buddhas that you got to bring oranges and apples to it and put there and watch it rock because they can't eat it anyhow. Let me wrap this up. We're talking about serving the true and the living God. Trust him. We've got to learn to trust him. It's time for us to restructure our lives. It's time for us to restructure our lives. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. He has a standard that's different from the way of the world. And as you seek him, trust him. That's a process. Just like seeking him is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Don't be so easily offended when you're challenged to change your ways. Because all of us are challenged to change our ways. All of us. All of us. But we see there's a problem. We see in our homes, we see in our families, we see in our own lives. There's a problem. The Lord has given us answers to the problems. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I don't care how much you try to figure it out. And to do it your way, you already seeing that your way is not working. It has not worked. It's not going to work. Try God's way. Try God's way. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added. You see, it's not necessarily the water you want or the food you want. It's the provision that you want for life. God says, I'll give you the provision for life. You may not be a millionaire, but I will supply all your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You might be a millionaire, but if you become a millionaire, don't forget the God who brought you over. Are you hearing? God says, seek me. Seek my standard. The righteousness of my kingdom first. 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 
Now, since most of us in here don't have little children, those of you who do, teach your children that. Those of us who don't, let's take advantage of every opportunity the Lord gives us to help people learn the right way and the right things to speak into their children's lives. Because something needs to change in our communities. In the world, yes, but to speak specifically in our communities. Because there is a wide divide that's taking place right now and it's just going to get wider. Now we can be mad at the system and we can blame the government and we can blame the school and we can even blame the church. But until we start taking responsibilities in our own homes with our own children and our own grandchildren, teaching right, speaking right, even if they get angry with you, sow the seed of truth. Got to bring about change. And we got to get back to the point where it's not just about me and my child. I talked about mothers, but we need some fathers to arise and be fathers to these boys that don't have fathers in their lives. Which means then that I gotta have a standard myself. I, I gotta finish this message, but you know, they were talking in that in that chapter about you know how women find safety in the in the black religious identity cult groups because they treat them as sisters and queens. Because they live in a world of sexism, being called tricks and hoes and bitches and what have you. Well, what do they get it from, except in our own community? And now. In pop music, I haven't heard it. I guess I need to start listening because that's one of the things she said. We got, we got to be up on these things. But what do we hear it at? Come on, brothers. We ain't been in the church all of our days. We got brothers, we got cousins, we got nieces, nephews, and we've heard those same terms right in our community. You disrespect women. And then you expect the world to respect them. We got to make some changes. There's God's standard of righteousness. We learn terms and we want to be accepted and we start stay, saying those terms. Don't call me your dog. I have two legs. I'm created in God's image and God's likeness. I got a mind. I think. I reason. I communicate with you. I'm not your dog. I'm a brother in Christ. I'm a man of God. Yes, there are things that has to change, saints. Has to change. For ours, for the... Oh, God. Okay, let's stand. Whew. God help us.
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, for challenging us to restructure our lives so that we can cast off these loads and live the life of freedom with responsibility that you've given us and you called us to live as your children. We see the need. Yes, it's challenging for us. And some things we may not want to address, but we know the truth. You said your truth will make us free. Lord, we just want to be free. We want our children free. We want our grandchildren free. We want our nieces, our nephews free. We want our community free. Even though we may be one congregation, but we, we know that, that even like you spoke to Elijah, he wasn't the only one left. So we're not the only congregation that seeks to speak truth and life and health into people's lives. But help this group of people here to be as yeast and bread in York and Rock Hill, Gastonia, Charlotte, Lancaster, Blair, wherever else you've planted us so that we can begin making change in our lives and those that we're connected with because it will spread. It will spread. Thank you for your mighty power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So if there's anybody today you'd like to give your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to come. I want to give you, and this message was not necessarily an evangelistic message, but in a way it was. If you're watching this online and the Lord spoke to you about reordering, re restructuring your life, you can start that process now by saying yes to the Lord. Remember, it's a process. Things are not going to change overnight, but God is willing to work with you if you're willing to learn of him. If you're willing to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. If you're willing to give yourself to him. So if you're, if you're watching us today online or if you're in the sanctuary and you want to give your life to Jesus, first of all, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of confession. Acknowledging that Christ is the one who gave his life to satisfy God's righteous requirement so that people could be saved, so that you could be saved. There's no way for you to satisfy that requirement on your own. Only in Christ. He's done it for you. So you accept the provision that he's made and you're made right with God. You want to give your life to Jesus? Become a part of his movement because he's moving in the world. There's somebody right now in some other parts of the world who's given their lives to the Lord. Some other state, somebody right now who's becoming a part of God's movement. It's a movement of change. It's a movement of elevation. It's a movement of reordering and setting things right. 
with the one who created you and created this world and knows the way life should be lived. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. My life is out of order. Lord, I've heard the message. I want my life restructured. So Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. Live in me. Live your life out through me. Lord Jesus, I accept the sacrifice that you made for me on Calvary. Thank you for satisfying God's righteous requirement so that I could be saved. Thank you, Father. I accept your sacrifice. Now, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I receive you now as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.